one of the great blessings of uh, being able to teach the Dharma and being able to teach it for as long as I have uh, is that uh, knowing people is the greatest blessing. The people that I've met over the years uh, and relationships that I've had with people uh, as students who've come to our classes for many years. One of the things that uh, we like to kind of kid around about is, uh, you know, I've known you for, people will say, oh, I've known you for 20 years and you've been teaching the same thing for 20 years. Uh, but then that's often uh, followed up with, uh, but now I'm starting to get it. You know, after 20 years, I'm starting to figure it out. Oftentimes people will say, you know, I've heard this teaching, if it's a teaching on the Four Noble Truths or Dependent Origination or the Five Aggregates, I could go on and on. I've uh, been listening to this teaching for five, ten years or longer, uh, but I'm finally seeing what it's all about. I'm finally beginning to understand these principles of the Dharma. I'm beginning to understand the Dharma. And the reason why invariably we say this, uh, we say that, oh, you know, after five, ten years or so, 15, 20, longer, uh, I'm beginning or I'm learning or my understanding of these principles of the Dharma is, is, is flourishing after this time uh, is not because it's taking us this long to intellectually comprehend the Dharma. It's not like, well, I finally figured it out intellectually after 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, the reason why our understanding uh, uh, develops over time and takes time to develop is because the Dharma is comprehended through practice. And this is how we comprehend the principles of the Dharma. This is how we gain understanding through practice. So. Uh, understanding, if it's understanding uh, with regard to emotions, which we were talking about last week, mental states, or relationship to mental states, what's, uh, what's involved in uh, our clinging and suffering around mental states, and what's involved in terms of uh, letting go. These understandings are developed through practice, uh, through Dharma practice, through seeing things clearly, for ourselves, through seeing things clearly, not through an intellectual understanding, uh, but understanding through seeing things uh, for ourselves. Uh, insight, the word vipassana, comes out of uh, this notion of seeing clearly. Uh, so what enables us to see things clearly is, of course, concentration. Concentration is what enables us to see clearly, uh, and this clear seeing is what is going to lead us to wisdom into these principles of the Dharma, uh, the principles uh, that will lead us to freedom, uh, the understanding that will lead us to freedom from our suffering and to a greater happiness. So as concentration develops, as concentration gets stronger, because concentration is something that, you know, is always developing if we make an effort to develop it. And, you know, for, to a large extent, there's really no mastery of it. Uh, 
I mean, there is, but you know, the, the mastery of concentration is is a very, 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 very high level. So we're all working to 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 strengthen our concentration. As we strengthen in concentration, we're able to see more clearly, and we can develop understanding into the Dharma. And this is how. Uh, you know, this is when we talk about understanding. Uh, we're talking about understanding of these these principles of the Dharma, the truth. If we want this understanding, we have to develop concentration. So this is the understanding that will free us, liberating understanding. Uh, we have to develop concentration. So this is a, a, a basic law, if you will, a law of cause and effect uh, that the Buddha came to understand. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and it really asks that we uh, uh, understand this cause and effect process, the process of uh, what it is that we need to do to have understanding, asks that we understand this cause and effect process, or as the Buddhists put it, that we have respect for concentration. Respect for concentration. We tend to, and you know, he, he often would give this teaching because you know we all want insight, we all want understanding, we want freedom from our pain and suffering. We want to be able to to work skillfully with our emotions, uh, you know. Uh, but what's required is 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 developing concentration, you know, understanding this cause and effect process. So uh, we want to kind of go right to the insight. But the insight's not going to happen until, or it'll develop. The insight will develop. It's developmental. So we begin to develop insight as we develop concentration. But the more we develop concentration, the more we'll develop insight. So, uh, you know, if we want to move forward in our practice, you know, you know, the 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 answer is generally pretty much always the same: practice more meditate more. Uh, you know, there's a tendency, and I see this a lot, when people say, well, you know, I really want to advance my practice, I'm going to take a study course. You know, and of course, I'm probably as guilty as the next person in offering study courses, right? Uh, you know, we need to have some basis uh, of understanding that's intellectual to some extent of uh, basic principles, and we need to be reminded of basic principles, but our true understanding of these principles will only come about through practice. So it's great to study the Dharma, uh, but you know the Buddha was really clear about clear about this. Just studying the Dharma is not going to free you from suffering. Just studying the Dharma, in terms of the principles of the Dharma, is not going to uh, enable you to find freedom from your afflictive emotions. You know what's going to enable you to find freedom from your afflictive emotions is the developing of concentration. You know? So if we want to move forward in our practice. You know, if we want to move forward in our capacity to find freedom from our pain and our suffering, what's asked is that we sit more, we practice more, and not just sit more, of course, but develop the kind of concentration that the Buddha suggests that we develop, known as jhana. So it's not just about sitting more, it's about developing concentration during that context of sitting. But the Buddha was really simple. Uh, clear in, in, in what he taught. He said, you know, you could study all the, you know, the Dharma, you know, and, and be, be an expert in, in, 
in what I taught in terms of the, you know, the theoretical principles, but you're not going to find freedom from your suffering if you don't practice. Conversely, he said, if you study just a little bit and practice, you know, then you'll, then you'll find freedom from your suffering. So, you know, you need to have some basic working understanding of certain principles like the Four Noble Truths and the Five Aggregates and what it is that we need to do when working with emotions. Uh, but your ability to truly understand these processes uh, that make up uh, the Dharma is going to come through concentration. Uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's, uh, that takes time. You know, I mean, concentration takes time. That's why insight takes time. That's why we say, oh, after five years, I'm finally getting it, or 10 years, I'm finally getting it. It's not because you're getting it intellectually. It's because your concentration is getting stronger over time. You're putting the time into looking and seeing and observing over time. And if you do that over time, wisdom will develop. Wisdom will develop over time. So concentration, you know, there's no two ways around it. It takes time. You know, Ajahn Lee would say this is the hard work of meditation practice. You know, that metaphor that we, you know, that we we've often talked about over the last five, ten, twenty years, uh, where Ajahn Lee said, if you think of the three elements of Dharma practice being virtue, concentration, and discernment as three pillars that hold up a bridge that crosses a river, classical metaphor in Buddhist teaching the river of suffering. Uh, you know, concentration is the pillar in the middle of the river that you have to build you know, in the water, in the mud. It's the hardest to build. Really, the hard work of Dharma practice goes into concentration practice. That's the day-to-day -day work of getting on the cushion and meditating. So, so and, and you, you know, it's good to think about that. Uh, you know, you know, in terms of cause and effect. You know, I'm getting on this cushion today, and I'm going to spend my time meditating today and really working in the context of the meditation, not to be kind of letting the mind go all over the place, but to really focus on the task at hand and to develop the steps because I want wisdom, because I want freedom from suffering, because I want to be able to understand these emotions and find freedom from them. You know, that's the motivation to meditate. So understanding wisdom is what enables us to find freedom from uh, our afflictive emotions, our clinging to emotions, mind states. Uh, you know, we try to, if we bring the discussion to back to this subject of emotions, you know, we try to understand emotions intellectually. You know, uh, we try to understand them psychologically. You know, but but understanding within the context of the Dharma uh, transcends intellectual and psychological understanding. You know, again, which doesn't mean that having some intellectual understanding, certainly some psychological understanding of emotions, isn't going to be useful. I hope it is useful because I've done about, you know, 30 years of therapy. Uh, but it's not going to, in terms of the Dharma, lead to the understanding 
that will that we're trying to develop in terms of the Dharma, in terms of emotions, which is essentially uh, understanding into the Four Noble Truths, the way that we cling, our capacity to let go, what lies on the other side of letting go. You know, this understanding, uh, which is the understanding that we're seeking to develop in practicing the Dharma, transcends intellectual and psychological understanding. So we often say it's the understanding in the heart. It's the understanding that's in the citta, in the heart. It comes from concentration uh, and in turn clear seeing. So having concentration and, and, and clear seeing. You know? So you know, when we talk about clear seeing, we talked about this last week, uh, you know, that comes from out of concentration and the qualities of jhana, uh, there's a lot of aspects to that, but you know, in large part, what we're talking about is being able to uh, to discern the emotions as they manifest as form in the body. In the body, to be able to separate out and to be able to see an emotion uh, in the body as form, uh, and uh, to be able to observe it with space, right? I mean, that's basically what we're seeking to do. That's what concentration enables us to do. Is, you know, the concentration, when we talk about concentration, the way the Buddha taught it, includes a full body awareness, right? So the full body awareness is essential. That's why we do what we did in this meditation today in terms of the scanning, right? Because we need, you know, the scanning brings ease and pleasure to the body, which enables us to get into the body and stay with the body. And it also brings awareness to the body. We develop a body awareness so that we can be able to discern emotions as they manifest as form. It's like I couldn't do that, you know? I mean, I did, I did therapy for years, but I couldn't discern an emotion as it manifested as form in the body until I learned to develop body awareness in large part, you know, some, to some extent using other techniques, but in large part, through you know, developing body awareness, internal body awareness, the ability to discern emotions as form in the body in meditation, the way that we practiced with it today, in terms of developing a full body awareness. And then of course the concentration gives us the ability to observe with space, like one person looking at another. So the practice of developing clear seeing is this process of observing, of observing. You know, but again, it's observing over time. You know, it's you know, it's a moment. You know, that's what it's those finger snaps of observation of bringing awareness. Oh, there's anxiety. Oh, there's worry. There's fear. You know, there's apprehension. There's sadness. There's anger. Whatever it is, you know, in the body, that moment of awareness, that finger snap of awareness that's happening largely off the cushion, right? So. You know, it's those moments of awareness, those moments of awareness of observing. This is what the meditator does. You observe, you observe, you observe, you observe, you observe, you observe, you observe. Over time, with concentration, your capacity to observe becomes stronger because there's more space. You know, there's more space. The space is less afflicted. The, split, the space is less interrupted. You're seeing more clearly. So you're seeing more clearly with concentration 
you're seeing, we talked about this at length last week, right? You're seeing without judging or commenting or wanting to get rid of anything, you're seeing with equanimity, with objectivity, and you're seeing again and again, day to day, what the Buddha called reflect, repeated reflection over time. A moment here, a moment there, a moment here, a moment there. Over days, weeks, months, year, yes, years, yes, decades, understanding develops. Understanding develops through this clear seeing that happens through repeated reflection over time. So, you know, but there needs to be clear, there needs to be clear seeing. There need, let's, let's be clear, there needs to be clear seeing, uh, which means there needs to be equanimity, space, uh, objectivity. Oh, there's apprehension. So maybe you're feeling something right now. You're feeling anxiety about what I'm saying. You're feeling apprehension. There's anxiety about something you have to do later on. There's worry about something. You know, there's space where, oh, there's worry. There's anxiety. You know, you're able to observe it clearly with space for a finger snap, you know? And this is how you develop understanding and wisdom. It's in those finger snaps of clear seeing, of clear seeing when there's equanimity, space. When there's equanimity, space, there's clear seeing and there's wisdom. And that wisdom will develop over time. So this wisdom includes, you know, seeing an emotion for what it is. Well, what is this emotion? It's this sensation in the body. It's this sensation in the body. So this is sort of what the understanding comprises. Oh, it's this sensation in the body. The Buddha called that form, rupa. Well, what's an emotion? Ah, well, we got all these ideas. No, it's, just, it's a sensation. It's a tingling, it's a tightness, it's a pulling. It's a, it's a warmth, it's a coldness. How many times have we done this? You know, and you know, and you've, some of the newer psychological models like focusing and somatic experiencing do this as well, right? Uh, you know, the sensation in the body, right? So that's, that's an important aspect of, uh, of understanding that you're developing by seeing things in the body and seeing emotions for what they are as form. Uh, and so that's one thing. I'm just going to mention a few things. And then there's seeing. You know, all this will happen if you just practice clear seeing. You know, I mean, I'm giving you a framework for seeing, but to some extent, you just need to know that there, you know, you just need to practice clear seeing, you know, which comes out of concentration. When there's clear seeing, we're able to see that there's clinging to the emotion, right? So there's this experience of form, of anxiety, of worry, of anger, that we feel is the sensation in the body, and there's a clinging to it. So when there's enough concentration, you can see that there's these two things going on. That's really subtle. You know, that's really subtle. Without concentration, that's really hard to see that. So the clinging and to the emotion and the clinging to the emotion become conflated. We can't really see that. When there's concentration, it separates out when there's more concentration. We can see, oh, there's two things going on. This is the key to the whole teaching, really. There's two things going on. There's an emotion and the clinging to the emotion. Because what the Buddha said is, the problem's not the emotion, it's the clinging to it. Now, you may understand that teaching intellectually, and that's gonna get you not much or not very far. You know, The teaching is about actually seeing 
that there's clinging to the emotion, to the experience of form. So that this, is, this is what concentration enables. This is the difference. It's the difference between knowing that you're clinging. Oh yeah, I'm really clinging a lot to my anxiety. And actually seeing that. Actually seeing that you're clinging to it. Right? That's something you can see when there's enough concentration. But without concentration, it's very hard to see because it's subtle. It's very hard to see. So over time, over time, over, you know, now I'm getting it, Dubin, and after 10 years, because now you're seeing it more clearly that, oh, there's this experience of sensation in the body, and I'm clinging to that. If you can see that, you, got, you know, I mean, you're, 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 you're most of the way home most of the way home, because then you start to see, oh, my suffering is caused by what I'm doing. You know, I'm holding on. But you have to see that you're holding on, because up until then, it's just an idea. It's just an idea. So, we're seeing that there's clinging, and we are seeing the drawbacks of clinging, right? So this is another element of understanding. There's drawbacks to the clinging. It's painful. It's painful when I'm grasping. The, crank, the clinging itself is painful, right? You start to see that. The actual act of holding on, of grasping on, is, is painful. So this is something, again, within you know, the, the space that concentration affords us, we begin to see. We begin to see the pain of the clinging to the object uh, is, is conditioned and compounded. That when we're clinging to this object, uh, the pain we experience is not just the pain we experience in that moment of clinging to that object of anxiety or worry or anger, but it's the pain of a lifetime of having done that. It's the pain of a lifetime of having done that. Now that may seem like an idea, but it's not. You know, it's an idea, but it's something you can see. You can see when there's enough concentration that the pain of holding on to this emotion is, is, is the compounded pain of a lifetime. And forget about past lifetimes, which you don't have to forget about them, but you can forget about them if you want, just in this lifetime. The pain that you've, uh, that you've experienced is the pain of holding on throughout the course of your lifetime. You know, as the Buddha said, uh, this is the greater, the tears you have shed while transmigrating and wandering this long, long time, crying and weeping from being joined with what is displeasing and being separated from what is pleasing. See, that's, you know, that's the clinging, right? The crying and weeping. The crying and weeping from being joined with what is displeasing and being separated from what's pleasing. Being joined with what's displeasing and being separated from what's pleasing, that's, that's known as life, you know? Uh, so this is the greater. The tears you have shed while transmigrating and wandering this long, long time, crying and weeping from being joined with what is displeasing, being separated from what is pleasing not the water in the four great oceans. So we see this. We see. We see. It's not an idea. It's not an idea. Transcends an idea. This is when 
real liberating wisdom happens, and then there's a letting go. Then there's a letting go, as the Buddha says in the Sutta. Uh, you know, uh, you know, long you have thus experienced stress, experienced pain, experienced loss, swelling the cemeteries, enough to become disenchanted with all fabricated things, i.e. emotions. So when you see how much pain you've experienced holding on in this lifetime, you become disenchanted with doing that. You know, but there's enough space to be able to look objectively at that when there's concentration. We see that the heart is blocked off. We see that the heart is blocked off. When we're able to look clearly, we see that we're cut off from our potential. And the interesting thing about that, of course, is when we start to see that the heart is blocked off, when we're clinging to these emotions, what we also see, we see that the heart is blocked off, but we also begin to see the heart. We begin to see that we have a heart. When we begin to see what we're doing and that we're blocking the heart, we begin to start to get a sense that, oh, underneath this, this clinging, there's a heart there. There's a heart there. We begin to start to see that. We see, if you will, our potential. When we have clear seeing, we see the drawbacks of the emotion itself, that it's unsatisfactory. The emotion, it's unsatisfactory. It doesn't serve any great purpose or benefit. It can't bring us happiness. It's just this sensation in the body. It's insubstantial. So this is what we begin to understand. And we put so much weight on our emotions, right? So much weight in our emotions. But when we begin to really look at them, we see, they're, what are they? They're insubstantial. All this time we spend in worrying about, you know, clinging to these emotions and caught in these emotions, it's just some sensations in the body. The Buddha said they're like foam, like foam. Uh, he said, monks, suppose that a large glob of foam, in other words, your anxiety, worry, fear, were floating down the Ganges River, and to a man with, and a man with good eyesight were to see it, observe it, appropriately examine it. That's what we're doing when we have clear seeing. To him, seeing it, observing it, and appropriately examining it, it would appear empty, void, without substance. For a, what substance would there be in a glob of foam? In the same way, a monk sees, observes, and appropriately examines any form. To, to him, seeing it, observing it, and appropriately examining it, it would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance would there be in form? So we see the emptiness of these emotions. This is right view. This is right view. This is skillful perception to see these emotions for what they are. We see that these emotions are impermanent. They're anatta, not self. They're not ours. They're not who we are. And they don't have to be clung to. We can let them go. Now, you know, again, we talk about this a lot, but the insight into anatta, you know, I mean, intellectually, you may or may not be able to have some understanding of it intellectually. It's a very hard thing to understand intellectually. It's something you can see very clearly. It's, you can see it very clearly, just as I can see that this cup is not self. It's not me. You know, this cup, if you look at the screen here, this is the audiovisual part of our program, you know, uh, is not self. I see that, right? Oh, it's not self. There's no dubinin in that. I can't find dubinin there. It's the same thing with the emotion. It's just like the cup. There's no self in that. 
But you know, you can see that. You can see that the cup is not made, right? You know? I can see that. Well, you can see the same thing with the emotion. It's not me. It's just passing phenomena. It's just passing phenomena. It doesn't have to be held on to. It can be let go, just like I can let go of this. Now, I might not want to give... Uh, people have seen this mug. There's actually somebody here who, who gave me this mug. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to let go of this mug. It's mine. Think of how we are with the emotions, but I can let go of it, you know? If I was really wanting to, I could throw it out the window right now. That would be very dramatic, you know? But it's the same thing with the emotions. We begin to understand that, uh, that these emotions can be let go of, and that when we let go, on the other side, there's something that's much greater. We begin to understand, as I've already said, that there's the heart and our potential for happiness. So ultimately, we develop disenchantment with emotions, with clinging. This disenchantment comes through clear seeing, and it leads to abandoning, letting things be, letting things be, letting them go, not holding on anymore. But in order to be able to develop this wisdom that enables us, that leads to disenchantment, and enables us to abandon uh, these emotions, we have to develop strong concentration. It's necessary for clear seeing, for wisdom. You know, this is why, uh, you know, the Buddha said, uh, you know, if you have this kind of concentration, insight will happen. Insight will happen. You know, he said, it's his insight will happen. He said, you know, think about a big jar, you know, filled to the top with water. The strong man comes along, and uh, would it be hard for the strong man to knock over the glass of water, the jar of water, and the water to fall out? No, the monk says it. That's how easily insight happens when concentration develops. That understanding will will be right there when you have concentration. So we work hard. We have respect for concentration, so that we can. So so insight will be uh, something that will just happen. We'll understand when there's this quality of concentration that we're seeking to develop through our meditation practice, through our Dharma practice. So the Buddha, of course, said, you know, uh, practice jhana, monks, don't be heedless, don't later fall into regret. This is our message to you. So we'll end there for uh, today. I'll just close our eyes just for a second. <clears throat>